Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is a, an exciting opportunity for me. In studio right now, I have a friend of mine, a very close friend. In fact, uh, as a wedding gift, when uh, beautiful Jessica and I got married, uh, <laughs> Brenda Crock here gave me a cat. Uh, Rachel, the cat, uh, no tail though, so a, a defective gift, but we kept it nonetheless. Uh, anyway, a uh, little bit of a backstory. So we have been friends for a good long time. I mentioned in the last segment, I have a, a wonderful affection for, uh, those who teach. My mother is a, a teacher. She teaches history to middle schoolers. Uh, many members of my family are teachers and some of my best friends, including uh, Brenda Crock, who joins me in studio right now. You a teacher of mathematics over at East High School. You're participating in this uh, day of action organized by the Salt Lake Educators Association. Uh, you and your colleagues today are not in the classroom, uh, but rather right now in the process of gathering up over at the Wallace uh, Bennett Federal Building and in turn will be hiking up the street to Utah's Capitol Hill to deliver a message. Let me ask you, very, well, first off, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Lee. Uh, t- tell me, before you answer that question, can I ask you a personal question? Why uh, Why are you a teacher? Um, I'm a teacher because my own high school math teacher, happened to be a math teacher, um, inspired me, um, made me feel welcome in the classroom every single day. It was, uh, he took a personal interest in me, my activities, my family, and it was a place that I wanted to, I, I wanted to go to class every day. He made it fun. Um, he made learning fun and he just, he inspired me, and I've been in the classroom for 24 years, um, so almost 30 years ago is when I was trying to make a decision on what I wanted to be when I grew up, and back 30 years ago, there wasn't a lot of girls and women in math, um, and so I thought, you know what, I could go and hopefully spread the love of not only math, but learning to, you know, girls, Sure. and he was just my inspiration. Hashtag STEM, you hear that? Very important. <laughs> Uh, I'd also point out we're on uh, Facebook Live at the KSL News Radio page if you want to check us out there. Uh, I am so grateful for that. And you have, as you were inspired by your own math teacher, uh, you have had probably thousands of students come in and out of your classroom over the years. Uh, you think you've had a similar influence uh, and impact on their lives? I mean, I would hope so. I Every day you hope to at least reach one. If you if you reach one person, you've you've had a good day. You know, and so multiply that by 24 years. I hope I've at least touched 24 kids, but um, I think I know deep down I've I've touched more than that. Sure. <laughs> I, I'm sure you have. I know you. Yeah. I know how you deal with these students and how you care about them. Uh, now, what's the experience like for a, a teacher? I, I, th- this may seem like a, a biased question, like I'm, uh, you know, just giving you softballs to help uh, make your case. But let me ask you the question that I think uh, is is answered so often by folks in your circumstance. W- w- do you have the resources you need to effectively teach in the classrooms here? Uh, no. No, we don't. Um, like I said, I've been in education for 24 years, all in the state of Utah. We historically are the last in the nation 
for funding per pupil. Um, and if we are not dead last, we're hovering at the bottom. So 47, 48, sure. 49, 50. Um, and what that means is that our class sizes are larger. Um, and when I say larger, I'm talking 36 kids, uh, 36, 14, 15-year-olds trying to learn math, trying to learn language arts, science, social studies, you know, you name it. Um, it means that our special education classes don't have the extra bodies that they need, extra help that they need, um, resources just for the kids, textbooks, computers. How do, you get a, how do you get around that? How do you get around a, text, a textbook shortage or a computer shortage? You end up, um, you know, students have to share. You have classroom sets. They have to check them out after school. Um, you know, team kids up into to pairs, triples, to, to share the resources that you have. Uh, and I imagine there are downsides to that. Downsides to sharing I, I was supplies. Never, I was never a big fan of sharing a textbook. I can <laughs> yes. remember it when I was growing up, if it was math or so. I don't want someone breathing down my neck, looking over mm-hmm. my shoulder and reading. Right. Uh, very basically, I think it is important that uh, each kid have a textbook at well, least. Well, absolutely. And you're, and you're showing if each child had their own material, you're showing that they they are important. You know, that sure. we, we need to invest in them and show them that they are worthy of their own textbook. Now, following your, your conversation here, you're going to join up with the, the other teachers from the district who have uh, left the classroom today uh, and make your way up to Capitol Hill. L- let me ask you a, a similar question I asked uh, UEA President Matthews just yesterday. Speaker Wilson up on Utah's Capitol Hill, he told me, he said, he said, listen, I'm not exactly sure why these teachers have chosen to do this in the middle of the day. We work around the clock. Uh, we have you know, we've made ourselves available to these teachers. They could come up after the school day uh, to do what they are doing is a disruption to the classroom, uh, to the parents of these students who are going to maybe have to make other accommodations or arrangements. Uh, let me ask you, why do this in the middle of the day and not just get together after school? Well, I believe it's because we finally, as a teacher cohort, as an association, um, we've tried to meet with them after school hours. We've tried to email our legislatures. We've tried the other things, and it it hasn't seemed to get their attention. And so in order to get their attention and to let them know that we as, uh, you know, United Front are fighting for our kids. If, if teachers aren't going to fight for the students, then who's going to do it? And, and the... the- the consequences of that decision, the disruption to the parents' schedules, the uh, time not spent in the classroom, uh, that's worth it to it's communicate this message. Absolutely worth it. Absolutely. Why is that? Uh, like, you know, like I said, if we're not, if the teachers aren't going to do it, who who is? Who's mm-hmm. going to fight for them? And that's, you ask any teacher who, students first. Mm-hmm. And in my 24 years, we've we've had campaigns, we've had, you know, legislatures um no no child left behind no you know put students first we, every year we beg the legislature to put education funding first and every year we're at the bottom and so i think it's just a way to try to really get their attention and what better way than you know when you disrupt parents lives and you disrupt you know other sure. other people's lives then now we're getting we're getting some attention and uh, you know very basically you and i are here chatting together uh, it makes sense as a, a tactic certainly now so that those are the tactics now let's get to the substance there are you have some demands you would like 
uh, this weighted pupil unit. You'd like the spending in that area to increase uh, some 6%. I asked Speaker Wilson uh, about that yesterday, and he said, well, shoot, that's a a big number. Uh, And if I'm honest, I have a a difficult time understanding exactly what this WPU is, the weighted pupil unit. One of the demands uh, that you and the other educators have as you march up to Utah's Capitol Hill uh, today. Can you help me understand what is a, a weighted pupil unit? It's it's um, it's just the source or the the formula that they have to um, give the districts money, and sure. so weighted pupil unit. It's mostly based on your average daily attendance, so the amount of students that we have in our classrooms, and so if there's a formula, um, and then that tells them how much money they're going to give to education, and then they divvy it up amongst the states and the districts, and then they turn around and give it to the individual schools. In the most basic sense, it's per-pupil spending. Per-pupil spending. Uh, and here in the state of Utah, how do we fare against the rest of the country? We are dead last, number 50. And what would you like? Well, we're asking for 6%. So that would be a, t- a roughly $1,200 increase in funding per-pupil. Um, is it enough? Uh, you know, it's a start. It's a start. You and I, uh, leading up to this conversation, we talked a little bit about uh, mental health in the schools and some of the uh, consequences when the mental health needs of students are, uh, let's say, underfunded. Talk to me a bit more about what you shared with me out in the green room. So um, we were mentioning that Utah has the highest um, teen suicide rate. And in our schools right now, I think we are at um, one social worker for every 3,000 students. Um, we're one psychologist for every 1,950 students. Um, and with the, the rise of, I'm seeing more and more of my students with anxiety, depression, um, than I've ever seen before. So kids today are changing, um, in the mental health, you know, aspects that times are changing, they're changing. Um, and so I asked, uh, we had been told that there was a surplus, a state surplus of, roughly $628 million Mm -hmm. and $130 million would lower that uh, counselor to student ratio to like an optimum level Um, and would leave the state with $550 million left over. Mm. So why not invest in our future? Sure. Uh, let me ask you, we got time for just about one, one last question. It has to do with compensation. Uh, you haven't mentioned compensation. Uh, President Matthews yesterday on the phone didn't mention compensation to me. I am of the opinion, and I think it's almost universal, uh, we know that teachers are underpaid. Uh, but you haven't yet mentioned it here. Uh, how does that, how does teacher compensation factor into your efforts of today? It has zero to do with our efforts for today. This is a walk for students. This has nothing to do with teacher salaries or teacher compensation. This is all about funding for our students, for programs for our students, for, you know, supplies for everything but teacher salaries. And I think that says a lot about our, you know, our profession, our I can't. Sure. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, listen, Ms. Crock, I'm grateful to you for joining me here in studio today. We've been speaking to Brenda Crock, uh, mathematics teacher at East High School. She uh, is about to join her colleagues in the education force here in Salt Lake City over at the Wallace Federal Building and then make a march up to Utah's Capitol Hill uh, to let their demands be heard uh, by Utah's legislators. Uh, I'm grateful to you. Thanks so much for being in here. Thanks for having me, Lee. Outstanding. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking about the coronavirus and the impact it could be having on your money. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.